the book of Luke, second chapter. Verse 8 starts and says, And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Aren't you thankful for the birth of our Savior? Amen. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. And I want to speak to you today for this, from this title, Wrapped. Wrapped. And you may be seated today. Wrapped. These questions are rhetorical. I'm not expecting an answer because I already know the answer. But why is it that we celebrate Christmas? Obviously, it is more than just the uh, what the world has put together in their program about uh, Santa Claus and all these mythical creatures delivering gifts. But we celebrate Christmas because of the the perfect gift, the, the real reason for the season, and that is our Savior was born uh, and lying in a manger, and he came uh, to this world to save us. And we glorify uh, the baby, but we also know that without uh, Jesus being born in a manger, there's no way that Easter could happen. There's no way that he could be crucified on the cross for our sins, and that is ultimately the price that was paid to wash away our sins, and we would not be here without his death, burial, and resurrection, and that is so critical to our walk with him and our foundation in our belief, Uh, but we know that first, he first had to be born, and so the celebration begins here at Christmas time, uh, but really, uh, it should not be the only time we talk about his birth and, and Easter should not be the only time we talk about his death. But every single day we need to be reminded why we are here and what we have is because of his death, burial, and resurrection and ultimately because of his birth. And so in the manger there was a baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes was the sign that were the, the shepherds were to look for. And as if, as if all babies are not wrapped in swaddling clothes, but uh, somehow they knew where to go to find the baby wrapped in a manger. But it was more than just a baby wrapped in clothes. There was an infinite, all-powerful God wrapped in flesh in that manger. All-powerful God put on uh, a human body like you and me and had flesh like you and me 
that was more uh, important in that manger than just uh, the, the picture or the little figurines of a baby. But that was God Almighty wrapped in flesh. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and thou shalt call his name Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, it was the Mighty God that was wrapped in flesh. It was the Everlasting Father that was born there in the manger. And that is what is the real reason and the real gift for this season is that God came to earth as a gift for you and me. John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, that all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And and so the Word of God made everything as we see this account in the beginning where uh, God began just to speak, and it was the spoken word that everything came together. The, the physical world that we know obeyed the voice of God, and everything was made. But he goes on to explain a little bit deeper down in verse 14. It says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so that was what was in the, in the manger that day, was the word from the beginning. It was God Himself manifested in the flesh. It was the Almighty God. It was the everlasting Father, uh, robed in flesh, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so why, the question then becomes, why did God become a baby? Why did this all-powerful spirit feel the need to be wrapped in a physical body? Wrapped with this elastic substance and uh, a spirit is free moving and with no limitations or, or no barriers or no boundaries. It can go anywhere it wants to go. And, but yet when you are encompassed inside a body, you are uh, bound by space and time and, and the, the laws of nature. And you really can't go anywhere you want to go apart from uh, the laws of gravity. And so why would God, who is a spirit, why would he become a baby and in essence kind of trap himself in a one little location. We know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He can be in heaven and be a baby on earth at the same time. Many people will, will believe that there's two, there's, there's three separate gods in the, in the Godhead, that God the Father cannot be the Son. Well, then that makes God the Father uh, not God because he cannot be something, right? Uh, and so if God is a spirit and he, the spirit was made flesh, then there's only one spirit, there's only one God, and that means God can also be in heaven and also uh, as a baby on the earth. And we know that only God can do that. And so why would he, this all-powerful God, why would he want to become a baby? Cannot the spirit of God do whatever he wants to do? 
I mean, we're talking about the same spirit that we are told in Genesis 1. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And, and this is the same spirit that was wrapped in flesh. And so the spirit of God was already here on earth before it had any of the beauty and here the Spirit of God begins to move and begins to speak. And uh, whatever that was physical became, uh, began to fall in line with what the commandment came from the Spirit. Whatever the Spirit said, that's what all of a sudden happened. Let the uh, waters bring forth fish and animals and uh, let the waters part and separate and let land appear. All of this just happened because the Spirit spoke and the physical world obeyed the Spirit. The physical world obeyed the Spirit. And so this obviously gives us an illustration of the balance of power in this universe. That Spirit is superior to the physical. That spirit supersedes the physical. That spirit is stronger and has more power than the physical. So I ask the question again, why did the spirit want to become wrapped in the physical? Why did the strong, almighty spirit want to become wrapped in something that is weaker Something that has no power over the spirit. If, uh, why not just stay uh, spirit and deal with the physical as uh, the spirit as he did in the beginning? If everything that is physical came into existence by the spoken word of the spirit, then why would the spirit subject himself to something that is subordinate to him? Cannot the Spirit still speak? Cannot the Holy Ghost still speak and, and things still move and things still shift in the natural world and, and things still happen when the voice of God goes forth and things still happen? And we know that He still speaks. Aren't you thankful that God still speaks? Aren't you thankful that the Spirit can still speak to your spirit and to your mind and, and that He is not silent but He is an active God. He is alive and well and He is with His people and He speaks to us. And the Spirit still moves and speaks. And so we know the reason he became wrapped is because of this thing called sin. This thing called sin was the reason he became wrapped in flesh. And so if sin is the reason for the wrapping, then why can't this all-powerful God just snap his fingers and make it all go away? Can he do that? He's God. He can do anything. And so why, why doesn't he just snap his fingers and boom, sin is gone? Does he still have the power and the ability and the authority to do that? Yes, he does. And so why become wrapped in flesh? 
wrapped in swaddling clothes? Why uh, leave the throne of heaven and where there is just pure uh, righteousness and holiness and gold and pearls and, and the most beautiful thing there can ever imagine? That is his place of his throne. Why would you leave that and, and to come to earth wrapped in this natural physical flesh, leave your throne behind and to come arrive in earth in a manger, uh, arrive in a feeding trough where animals ate their food out of why would you leave your throne and to arrive here surrounded by angels or animals in such a situation it doesn't really seem to be worthy of the God of heaven to arrive on earth in such a manner and so why would he want to wrap himself in flesh I I believe that God can snap his fingers and and make this all go away and so why doesn't he do it then why didn't he do it before he came to this earth? And why doesn't the spirit just dictate to the physical again and clean all of this up like he did in the beginning when the earth was without form and void? The spirit just spoke and everything came into order and came into being. And so why doesn't he just do that again and to kind of restart it all and start over and, and, and fix this problem of sin? Why doesn't he just tell some rookie angel who just got his wings to go and grab Satan and to uh, get rid of him and to throw him into the bottomless pit? Why doesn't he just do that and, and it all be done? Why does he want to come to earth as a baby wrapped in flesh? We know that eventually happens where Satan is uh, bound up by an angel. That's how... That's how weak uh, Satan is. He, uh, God just tells an angel to go grab him, and he's, he's bound. Uh, that's how powerful our God is. He's not the, he's not the opposite of Satan. No, uh, it's on a different level. God is far above every principality and power. All he has to do is to speak, and things happen. And all he has to do is tell an angel to go grab Satan, and he's bound. That's the God that we serve. And so why doesn't the spirit just dictate again to the physical and say, let's fix all this up and let's start over. Get rid of sin. He ultimately has the power to do that, but why does he cho choose to come and to be wrapped in the flesh? I'm sure there are many reasons for it all, but the one reason that I want to focus on today is uh, there's a word that was mentioned a few times in the scriptures that we read centered around his birth, and that word is glory. That word is glory. The Bible says that when the angel came to the shepherds to announce about his birth, the scripture says that the glory of the Lord shone round about the, the shepherds, round about them. The glory of God showed up when they began to talk about the birth uh, of the Messiah. Uh, Jesus was away in a manger somewhere, but yet his glory is surrounding now the shepherds and the presence of the angels, uh, that word glory first appears there and so when the heavenly host shows up a few verses later and they begin to sing and as the choir from heaven what do they say they say glory to God in the highest there's that word again glory centering around the birth of the Messiah and we're seeing glory show up and then John 1 and 14 says the word was made flesh and we beheld his glory. 
The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. So again, three different verses talking about the incarnation, the birth of the Messiah. And we're talking about glory is, is being shown and round about here, uh, brought to our attention. But the question then goes, doesn't God get glory for all that he does? And so the Spirit of God was wrapped in flesh for his glory. But he, he already gets glory for everything, right? So it brings back us to the original question, why did the Spirit submit himself to uh, the weaker physical nature of this world? And we know that the purpose is, is for the glory of, of God. But if he gets glory for everything he does already, why go through all these extra steps to get glory if he already gets glory? I'll tell you, there's a difference in different types of glory. Why doesn't the Spirit just speak again and fix everything? Surely he would get glory for that, wouldn't he? He would get praise and glory and adoration for fixing this problem. Uh, and so he, the, the, the issue is, is that God already spoke to the physical world. And so why, why go through that again if... What happened when he first spoke through it? Mankind kind of messed things up, right? Adam and Eve, Eve sinned. They disobeyed the, the word that went forth. And so we, we messed everything up. And so mankind breaks it, and we want God to fix it. God, just fix it by speaking your word, snap a few fingers, and fix everything so that we can get back to the way things used to be. And then what would happen is then we would break it again. And then we say, God, speak again, fix this thing again. And then what happens is we'll forget about what he did. We'll go on, we'll break it again. And you kind of see where I'm going here. If, if every time we broke the world and let sin in again, he would just speak again and then fix it again. And then uh, pretty soon we'd be uh, right back where we started. And so if God already spoke in the beginning to create this world, he's obviously got a different plan not to speak to fix it all. But he decided this plan was to become the flesh, to be wrapped in the flesh so that he can fix it that way. And so God's declarative victory over sin probably would have been forgotten over time uh, because that's the way we do as we get older. We begin to forget about things and things get lost in, in time and history and space. And if he's always fixing it uh, the way he initially started it. And so... Let me ask you this question. How many battles have been fought throughout human history? How many cities and kingdoms have been won and destroyed? Uh, how many uh, battles have been won? And, and do we remember them all? So God could have snapped his fingers a thousand times, and we, we, now in 2023 we may not even remember or know about them, right? If it, if it happens all the time. Uh, and so there's not many battles that we are taught in history class. Uh, there are a few that stand out. There was a battle that, a war that took place over 3,000 years ago. And I'm sure there was many wars took place 3,000 years ago. But there is one that seems to be told. The story seems to be told and passed through the annals of time. And that is uh, the Battle of Troy. 
Anybody remember about the Battle of Troy? Maybe you've heard about it. So there's something about this battle that we know about 3,000 years later, but yet there's many other battles that we don't even know about. And so what was uh, interesting about the Battle of Troy is suppose it lasted about 10 years. 10 years of going back and forth, day by day, uh, fighting and uh, retreat and fighting and uh, no ground uh, being gained. And uh, 10 years, day by day, week by week, month by month. And pretty soon this battle has been going on for 10 long years. But then one day something happened that changed everything. It is a, a horse showed up. A horse showed up. Anyone ever heard of Trojan horse? The Trojan horse is what ended the battle of Troy. It is because the Greeks uh, acted like they retreated, but what they left them, they left them a gift, a present, a giant wooden horse standing at the front of the, the city, of the walls of the city. And it, it, so it seemed like it was a, 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 a gift, a, a, a victor that you guys won, and we uh, we. We surrender, we give up. After 10 long years, they give them a present of a, a giant horse. Uh, but what they did not realize was that inside the horse were Greek soldiers. And so they wheeled the horse inside the city. And at, at night, uh, they came out and they conquered the city. And therefore, the Battle of Troy was over, finally over after 10 long years uh, and so what it took was somebody going in on the inside to defeat uh, that's the city of Troy and to win that battle. And that is one of the reasons why you and I know about it 3,000 years ago because uh, so many battles happen from uh, fighting against the walls on the outside. But once somebody got on the inside and said, we're going to defeat this from the inside out, that's a story to be told. That's something to pass down and let other people know about. And so the battle of sin had been happening for uh, thousands of years with, with, uh, with the Hebrew children. God implemented a system where they would sacrifice animals for their sins. And year after year this would happen. And it seems like there was no progress being made. They were just battling back and forth, battling back and forth with sin. Another year, another day fighting, fighting sin. And, and there was no real uh, battle uh, victory being won. But then one day a baby showed up in a manger. And that shifted the tide of the, the war. And now we know that because of the baby, uh, because of God wrapped in flesh, showed up in the manger, now we have a story to tell that God didn't, even though God can just snap his fingers and defeat sin, he decided, no, I'm going to take sin on all by myself. I'm going to wrap everything by, give me your best sin, and, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to break it from the inside out. And that's where the victory comes from through the baby that is born in a manger. It's more than wrapped in swaddling clothes. God God manifested in the flesh, he decided to take uh, the victory uh, to the gates and won the victory from the inside out. You see, God had manifested himself many times before as a human. We can look to the, uh, the account with Abraham. Uh, God, Abraham saw three strangers shows up, the Bible tells us. 
He saw three strangers. He went and prepared them a meal. He sat down. They all sat down, and they ate, and they talked, and they were uh, just talking like we do. Uh, and the Bible goes on to say that two of them left and headed towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And we find out a, a few verses later that those two end up being angels showing up in the city. But the Bible talks about the, the one that was stayed by back with Abraham. The Bible says, Abram talked with the Lord. So that means God manifested himself as a human already. It, with talking with Abraham, uh, he sat and he ate with the Lord. Obviously, you've got to have a physical body uh, to be eating with Abraham. And so God already showed up in the flesh to one degree. And so why didn't God just de declare uh, the, the, the battle over sin right then and there? He was already uh, had a physical body to somewhat, right? If he's eating with Abraham. Uh, but it's a, a difference between winning the battle from the outside and then going in on the inside and win the battle from the inside out. And that's why I believe that God wanted to come and wrap himself in flesh is because he, even though he would get the glory from snapping his fingers and defeating flesh, it's a whole other story when you hear about him going into the battle on the inside, going through the gates and wrapping himself in this flesh and saying, I'm going to beat you from the inside out. We know God can beat on the outside, but oh, the strength and the victory and the story to tell when he wraps himself in flesh. He said, sin, go ahead, give me your best. Wrap me up as best as you can. I'll show you how strong I am. I'll show you how powerful I am. Wrap me up with all this sin. I'll take on the sin of the world. I'll become this, this sacrifice, this sin, and I will show you from the inside out how to declare a victory ultimately over the flesh is becoming flesh and then beating flesh from the inside out. And not only did he do that for sin, but the Bible tells us that Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but with a, with, was within all points tempted like as we were, yet without sin. And so another reason he became, uh, chose to be wrapped in flesh is so that he can feel what you feel. He can experience what you experience. That way our God in heaven knows exactly what you are going through. That you don't feel some different kind of pain that God does not understand. No, he said, I'm going to wrap myself so that I can feel what my family feels. What my children feel like. I know exactly what that feeling is. And I made a solution. I've got a way. I can heal you. I can deliver you from all that. Why? Because I decided to wrap myself in flesh. And to understand what exactly my people are going through. So that I can be their savior. And they can tell me. Uh, tell their children. And tell the world. About what I have done. So we know he has the power to do it. From the outside. But what a story it is. That this almighty God. Decides to submit himself. To this weaker flesh. Physical body. And says I'm going to show you. And demonstrate just how powerful I am. And how vict uh, victorious I can be. Through all of this. And it also it becomes more relatable. Right. 
I mean, we read the story of Genesis 1 of how God just spoke these things and our, our, imagine, our mind cannot even comprehend this kind of power just to speak things and, and mountains and worlds and solar systems just, just appear out of nowhere. We, 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 we read it and we're, like, we're in awe of it, but we can't connect with that because we have not experienced that. It would be awesome. It would be, it, the world would be messed up if we, did, if we had the power to do that, wouldn't it? We'd all just go make our own planet and live on our our own planet by ourselves, right? So for this all-powerful God to say, I'm going to submit myself and I'm going to be wrapped in this flesh to identify with my people, that I'm not just some God who sits far above and the earth is my footstool and they're all under, underneath me and uh, uh, they're going to do what I, as I say. No, but it tells a different story when he decides to leave his throne and say, I, I'm going to put on this flesh. I'm going to put on this, this, this physical body and I'm going to see what it's all about and I'm going to be tempted uh, in all ways and all manners as my people are tempted. That way I know exactly how to defeat the enemy and I, even though I can do it from the outside, I want to put it all on and defeat him from the inside out and ultimately that is the greatest victory when you can defeat your enemy from the inside out when you can go inside and and get through the walls and get through the flesh and say declare victory from the inside out that tells a different story than tearing down the walls from the outside because everyone uh, so many people and so many battles are won that way but the battle of Troy is passed on because they got the victory from the inside out. And that is why God decided to wrap himself in flesh so that he can have a story to tell. And ultimately, he gets even more glory for doing what he did, right? Even though he did not have to do that, he gets even more glory for becoming a a, a man, becoming a person so that he can demonstrate how powerful he is. Musicians, if you would come. And so as we begin to close this uh, service today, we know that we are all familiar with the wrapping. You've probably bought many rolls of wrapping paper this time of the year. And you've wrapped a lot of things, a lot of presents that we ultimately know that it's not about the wrapping, is it? It's not about the beautiful designs and the prints and all these things. Uh, if it was up to me, our, our wrapping paper would be bought at Dollar Tree. But it's not up to me. Because ultimately, it's not about the wrapping paper. But some people may like the wrapping paper. I just know that it's all going to be ripped apart, right, and, and thrown in the trash. So, uh, what would it be like if we just all wrapped these presents and we just gave them to one another and we just all sat and admired, oh, wow, look how beautiful this paper is. Look how beautiful the wrapping is, and I'm just going to go home and I'm going to set this on the shelf and I'm going to admire the wrapping paper uh, the rest of my life. Maybe if it was, you know, out of gold, we probably would do that. But we know that there's something on the inside that is more valuable than the wrapping. 
And so the baby that was born in the manger, uh, we, we know that there's something more valuable inside that flesh, inside that baby body, and that is the Spirit of God. But ultimately, the victory comes when the flesh and the wrapping is broken and ripped apart. That way we can get access to what's on the inside. And so the whole purpose of becoming wrapped in flesh is so that he can demonstrate through his power and his authority that I have the power to break this flesh and I have power over this flesh and that where therefore whatever's on the inside is going to become available uh, to everyone that desires it. And so that is the beginning of coming to the Lord, is we have to realize that our wrapping paper does not matter. We can, so, we can focus on the bows and the dec- decor and the decorations of all that, but the Bible says that no flesh is going to glory in the presence of God. But yet so many people get caught up in the flesh. We get caught up in the wrapping of it all. Uh, that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on what's on the inside. Uh, and so let's not get caught up on the physical facade of everything because we know that God wants, the outs- the, wants to, to break the flesh so that what's on the inside can come out. Out. You stand with me today. And so this gift that was wrapped in flesh, in physical, the spirit of God that was uh, put on this physical form, the whole purpose of it was so that it could be broken and it can be ripped so that the valuable thing on the inside can come out and become available to everyone. And so that is what we first have to do when we start coming to the Lord, is we have to stop looking in the mirror and thinking that we're, all, we're, we're really something, that we're quite a package, that our wrapping is, is really beautiful. We can spend uh, lots of money, lots of hours on the, the wrapping, but really ultimately when you come to an altar of repentance, what happens is we rip the wrapping paper. We rip that because we got to get down to our heart. we got to unwrap all these things and uh, not hide behind the facades and not behind, hide behind the bow and the, and the paper, but God wants to get to your heart. And the only way that we, he can get to that is if we start ripping the paper. We start unwrapping it because the heart is the most precious gift to God. So many people focus on the facade. Our pride holds up our paper. Our arrogance glues it all together. Our selfishness wraps everything up. But none of that does any good. What's most important is we got to start ripping and unwrapping things so that we can be exposed at what truly is underneath. And, and we know that uh, we deep down inside that we're, we're not what we look like on the outside. We may be hurting on the inside, but we can come in here, put a smile on our face, and say, all that is good. No, God sees the inside. He's, he's, not, he's not distracted by the wrapping paper and how good we look on the outside. No, what's most important to God is that we uh, unwrap ourselves and we say, God, I'm going to open myself up to you. And that's when he can put his spirit inside of you. That's when that power from heaven can come inside and live inside of you. That is the greatest gift is the gift of the Holy Ghost.
to be born of the water and of the Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives us the utterance. Uh, that is the most important gift, but that only first comes when we have to start unwrapping, saying, well, we're nothing. I'm nothing without you, Lord. I'm, I'm just broken. Uh, uh, there's nothing great about me, God. I just need your help. And when we do that, He fills us with His Spirit. And then we have the same spirit that Christ had, that raised him from the dead, the spirit of Christ that spoke this world into existence. We have that same power inside of us. But still, that is just the beginning of it all because it's a lifelong process of constantly unwrapping. God, I'm going to unwrap even more. God, I woke up and I, uh, I feel like the flesh put on another layer of wrapping. I got to help break that paper down and, and help get that and to stay broken and to stay humble because that's where the real victory comes when what's on the inside is able to come out. That's where the glory begins to be manifested when the, the glory of God comes out, when everything is unwrapped and we, we take off the bows and the shiny things and, and rip apart the paper and say, God, uh, help me to break this flesh. Help me to break down this physical body so that your glory can become manifested and that's what God wants to do here today in each and every one of us but we have to be willing to say God I surrender all today God I am nothing without you I, I need you today amen will, will you do that today if these altars are open you want to come you want to come and worship and, and unwrap yourself we're not concerned about what everyone else is doing but God we need a touch from you we want your glory to be manifested and that happens when the unwrapping happens. Come on, let's come and worship him today. It's all because of him. Oh, Lord, we are nothing without you. We're not wrapped up, God. Help us to break this flesh. Hallelujah, let your glory be revealed and manifested. Hallelujah. Jesus.
Let's worship him one more time. Let's thank him for his glory. Thank him for his gift, his precious gift. Hallelujah for coming and making a way. Hallelujah. We would not be here, Jesus, if it wasn't for you. Amen. The Bible says he was beaten and bruised for our iniquities. Amen. He, by his stripes, we are healed. His flesh was broken and beaten for you and me. And if because it was broken, the glory was able to come out. The wrapping paper was torn apart and, and, and pulled aside. And his glory was able to be manifested. And so that goes to you and me. We receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are we're not to walk around all wrapped up like we have it all together. No, but if we want his glory to be manifested, we have to keep unwrapping things because it's not about the outside. We don't have it all together, but Jesus does. And we need to let him out in our life. We need to let him out in our situation. Let the glory come out. Let the, the, the living waters be poured out of our bellies. And that happens when the things begin to be unwrapped. Cut the bow off. Rip the paper apart we get to see what really matters and that is his glory being manifested because there's nothing holding him back any longer amen so as you go home and as you uh, unwrap the presence think for a second that that is what Jesus is he, he came and wrapped himself so that he can be broken and unwrapped and he can give his spirit the greatest gift of all aren't you thankful for the Holy Ghost Aren't you thankful for the birth of our Savior, the death of our Savior? Amen. And we are to live a life not wrapped up, but live unwrapped so that God's glory can be manifest. Amen. God bless you all. There's some light refreshments out there. We pray that you have a Merry Christmas. Amen. We'll see you next Sunday. No service this Thursday, but next Sunday at 11 o'clock. Amen. God bless you all. Let's go and let his glory out in our life.